Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's program, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with audio adaptations of two rounds of frightening fiction about fiendish felines and rectal ruin. Yeah, you heard me right. <laughs> And both of tonight's tales are Chillin' Tales exclusives, with our main event debuting on tonight's show. And it's all just in time for a certain foolish time of year. Though the 1st of April may be over, I think you'll agree that after tonight's program, we've had the last laugh. <laughs> I'm your host Drew Blood, filling in for host Steve Taylor. Tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of T.G. Westman and N.M. Brown are voice talents Jesse Brown and the full cast ensemble including Jonathan West, Felipe Ojeda, and Melissa Medina. Now, 
Get your ticket ready, take your seat in our theater of the minds, and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale tonight comes to us from author T.G. Westman and is narrated by Chillin' Tales for Dark Knight's 2017 Evil Idol voice acting competition champion, Jonathan West, with support from voice talents Felipe Ojeda and Melissa Medina. In tonight's opening act, we'll hear a sinister reimagining of an old favorite, where childhood whimsy is brutally slaughtered by conventions of reality in our modern world. Without further ado, I present to you, what would you do if your mother asked you? Lightning struck as mom opened the door, silhouetting her in her finest evening dress and briefly hiding the scowl she threw at her little Janet and Tom and their babysitter, Lance Fisher the guy from next door. Their dinners are in the freezer. You know how the microwave works, right? Janet hid slightly behind Tom and shook while Tom simply gave her a smirk. And when are you coming back? He asked the question, but silently mouthed her response. It was the same one she always gave. I'll be back when I'm done. Just don't beat on your sister. The door slammed shut. They heard the hurried click of high heels running to the car in the driveway. Some mild swearing as she fumbled to get the keys in the car in the pouring rain. And finally, the engine starting a moment before the car backed away. Janet let go of Tom and watched the headlight beams as they rolled through the front door window and then away into the night. I can't believe she's going out on a night like this. Tom, on the other hand, Pulled open the curtain and smiled. Do you even care anymore, Janie? Do you even think she cares? He was the only one who called her Janie, which was fine by her. It was a terrible nickname anyway. It wasn't any shorter or easier to say after all. I just wish Dad would come back. Janet wished it, but Tom suspected their father was getting along just fine wherever he was. The divorce had been ugly, and their mom had been successful in painting their dad as an absolute monster and got sole custody of the kids. And thanks to his well-paying job as a scientist, he was court-ordered to provide a tremendous amount of child support. But then one day, he didn't come home from work. A call to the lab revealed that he never showed up that day. That was over a year ago, with no sign of him since. Janet was convinced he was on a super-secret government mission, and he was trapped by bad guys fighting them and their armies of evil henchmen and cyborg sharks trying to get back home. Tom figured their dad just changed his name and run off so that he wouldn't have to deal with life anymore. Or he was dead. Either way, life sucked since then. Without their father's income, their mother had spent less time with them and more time hanging around in bars, trying to land a rich guy who could solve all their problems. At least, that is, until another, richer guy came around. Lance, on the other hand, Tom didn't have much experience of the world, but he knew Lance was what most would call an absolute doormat. He was the kind of guy who you always expected to see wearing a self-knitted sweater, even if he wasn't. Tom could tell Lance liked their mom, 
even though Tom wondered why anyone would. But Lance's job as a social worker didn't have him rolling in dough. And while she was always willing to accept his help around the house and with Tom and Janet, she ignored him the rest of the time. Even now, here he was, watching her kids trying to prove he was just the right kind of guy to manage a household. And she was off trying to make out with somebody else. Lance clapped his hands together, having allowed everything that was said to go in one ear and out the other. Okay, who wants, uh, what are you having for dinner anyway? Tom shook his head. (sighs) Probably Hot Pockets again. That's all we ever have. Lance waved his hands in the air in fake excitement. Yay! Hot Pockets! I'll go get them started. Janet jumped up and down. Oh, oh, can I have breakfast for dinner? We just bought a new kind of cereal and and I wanted to try it. Lance put his hands on his hips and affected a John Wayne drawl. For you, little missy, whatever you want. Tom rolled his eyes as Lance went into the kitchen. Come on, Janie. Let's go watch TV. At least it's better than doing nothing. From the kitchen, Lance leaned his head out of the doorframe, holding the box of Hot Pockets. Oh, no you don't. No TV. Why watch something when you can do something? I brought more games for us to play. Oh, that isn't necessary, Lance. Really, we'll be fine with the TV. We'll just wait. After dinner, you'll be singing a different tune. Lance dug around in the pantry. Uh, Janet, is this it? Halloween Choco Blast? Thunder boom, causing the entire house to shake. The lights flickered for a moment, but stayed on. Whoa, that was close. You almost had to have a cold pocket, Tom. <laughs> Lance chuckled amidst the clattering of plates. Janet tugged on Tom's shirt. If the power goes out, can I sit next to you? Ugh, if you really have to. Okay. I promise I won't annoy you. You already do. Tom had to admit to himself his sister didn't annoy him as much as he let on. But it was easier to do that than it would be to hurt again. After Dad vanished, he never wanted to be vulnerable again. So he actively worked hard on being as distant as he could to anyone and everyone. She pouted. I know I do, but I'll try really hard not to. Lance called them both into the kitchen, where Tom's little pepperoni pizza sandwiches stared back at him, steam rising from the holes in the side where the cheese exploded out of them, and Janet's bowl of Halloween choco blast, now with spooky, scary cats, sat quietly, the milk sloshing slightly from where the bowl had been put down. They sat down as Lance busily scrubbed the cheesy mess out of their microwave. So, kids, uh, and, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but, um, hmm, what exactly did your dad used to do? Janet beamed. He was a scientist. Lance held up the washcloth he was using to the light, adding a little more dish detergent to it, and kept scrubbing. Yeah, 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 but, uh, but what exactly? Was it, was it something that would be easy for, say, uh, a social worker to take courses on at a community college? Research? Computers? Geology. Tom took a bite of his hot pocket and winced at the heat. <clears throat> he was a geneticist. He worked with GMO crops, mostly grains, to make them more resistant to heat and drought. There was some government stuff, too, but he never talked about it. So... Not community college stuff. 
He's a secret agent, too. Janet added. That's why we can't talk about the government stuff. She stuck her spoon into the bowl, pulling out a big bite of cereal. Oh, Tom, look at the kitties! Lightning flashed again, and the lights shut off. And this time, they stayed off. Janet screamed, dropping her silverware. And in the faint light from outside, Tom could see his sister coming over to huddle beside him. Lance bumped his head, trying to get it out of the microwave, rubbing it and sighing. Ah, nuts. He pulled out his phone, shook it, and shined a light around the kitchen. Do you know where you keep the candles around here? I don't think I have any at my house. Lance was interrupted by a horrifying screech at the front of the house. It sounded almost like a dump truck smashing into a window. And then there was a loud thump. All three ran to the front door, but Lance, unfamiliar with the layout of the house, repeatedly banged his shins into the furniture along the way. Out in the road, a van lay overturned, its driver's side door bent open. There was text on the side, but from where they stood on the front porch, it was virtually illegible. Perhaps on account of the outage and the resulting darkness, few people came out to investigate the crash. The only other person to show any interest was old Mr. Thomason from a house away. He was out in the road looking at the van and holding his phone up in the air. Thomason, wearing nothing but a ratty pair of shorts, a stained white tank top, and an old pork pie style hat. He bought it when Mad Men was popular and kept it to conceal how bald he really was. Saw the three come out and waved to them. Hey, any of you getting reception? Damn storm must have knocked out a tower or something. Lightning flashed, and though there was no thunder, not yet, the light illuminated something stalking coming from around the side of the van. Something long, lanky, and jet black, crawling on all fours. Tom, Janet, and Lance didn't see much else before it pounced on Mr. Thomason, the thunder thankfully drowning out his screams. Lance pulled Tom and Janet by their shirts. Back in the house, back in the house. They all went back in and Lance shut the door, leaning against it. Janet shook, clutching Tom tightly. Lance, what was that? I don't know, but we're staying right here. Whatever that was out there, we will be safe in here until help arrives. He pulled out his phone, then held it up as he looked for a signal. What? Battery 20%? I only ran the flashlight for five seconds. Lance yelped as with one solid push, the door was knocked off its hinges and smashed him to the ground, trapping him beneath it. The creature lumbered through the doorway on all fours, its feet pressing hard against the ruined door with immense strength. Its features were hard to make out in the darkness, mostly because it was black as night from head to toe. It resembled a cat, its dark fur resembling that of a panther, but it was considerably larger, closer in size to a lion, with a gangly upper body and a shaggy head. In its jaws, it clutched Mr. Thomason's pork pie hat. Its head whipped around, glaring at both Tom and Janet in turn, prompting them to fall down and retreat, crawling toward the nearest wall. Those eyes, its yellow eyes. It climbed off the door, leaving Lance to wheeze heavily, at which point the creature arched its back and rose to its feet. It stood on its hind legs and remained in that position, measuring well over seven feet tall. 
With its front paws, it retrieved the hat from its mouth and placed it atop its head. Its face, now more visible without the hat hanging from its teeth, was a strange mixture of features. Cat-like, but with a humanoid jawline and cheeks, it snorted, sniffing the air, then leaned in close to the children. In a gravelly, growling voice, it spoke. Why do you sit there like that? I know it is wet and the sun is... It sniffed, twisting its head as if struggling to find the words. It grimaced as if the thought itself hurt, straining to emerge from its mouth. Not sunny. Then it smiled, revealing several rows of needle-sharp teeth. But we can have good fun. Lance crawled out from under the door, coughing and wheezing in search of a weapon. The large cat turned and looked at him, its grin disappearing, and pointed in his direction. Now that is funny. Lance looked at his phone, which had been smashed into bits by the door, and whipped it aside. What the hell are you doing here? Get away from them! The cat snorted and turned back to the children, again looking like its own thoughts were trying to murder it. But then its head cleared, and it smiled at them once more. I know some good games we can play. I know some new tricks. A lot of good tricks. I'll show them to you. A dark look spread across its face. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Your mother will not mind at all if I do. Something made of glass smashed next to its head. Lance had thrown a vase at the creature and was looking to grab something else. Get out of here. I don't know what games you're thinking of, but you leave them alone. Faster than anyone could imagine, the cat pounced at Lance, and in a moment, in a show of unexpected strength, lifted him up over its head. We can have lots of good fun, if you wish. Lance screamed. Put me down! Put me down! He looked around, but saw nothing but broken glass and wood below him. Wait, 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 don't put me down here! The cat thing smiled again and seemed to get an idea. Still holding Lance, it began to bounce up and down, its grin growing impossibly wide. It jumped over to the staircase and began hopping up it, step by step, until it reached the top, then dangled Lance over the railing, at least ten feet above the floor. It turned him so that he was forced to look up into its eyes, 
Its smile faded and an angry, sinister look crossed its face. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me now. Then it shook its head again and the grin returned. It is fun to have fun, but you have to know. The creature then let out a huge roar and dropped Lance, who fell with a horrible crunch upon the hallway table he had stubbed his toe on only a few minutes earlier. Meanwhile, the cat clutched at its head, swinging back and forth as if it was fighting off some invisible force. Then it too fell forward, crashing into the railing and breaking through, landing in a heap next to Lance. The only sounds were the slight muffled growls coming from the still-breathing beast, as well as a pathetic moan coming from Lance. The creature's hat had fallen off. Now that it wasn't moving, it was easy to see. There was some kind of contraption on its head. Wires and lights appeared to be woven practically into its skull, some of them covered by dirty, matted fur. Others remained visible, buzzing, as if short-circuiting and blinked rapidly. Tom and Janet looked at each other, and then Tom grabbed his sister's hand, leading her to the hole where the front door used to be. Come on, let's get out of he here. He cried. But we can't leave Lance! Janet protested, tugging him in the opposite direction. It'll hurt him! Tom pulled again. How can we help him, Janie? We're not big enough to carry him out of the house, and I don't think he's going anywhere on his own. We need to get help. We'll come back for him as soon as we can. Janet, tears in her eyes, nodded. Okay, but promise? Tom tried his best to remain calm. Yes, I promise. They ran out into the rain and onto the road and tried their best not to stare at what was left of Mr. Thomason. They hadn't gone far when the van on the side of the road shook. They both stopped and Janet hugged Tom. Do you think someone in there needs help? Tom shook his head. No way. If that thing came out of the van, there's nobody alive in there. Then what's making it move? It it could be someone. Tom looked down at his sister who gave him the look. It was the look she gave when she really, really wanted him to do something, even if he didn't want to. Tom gulped, then went to the back of the van. It shook once more, just before he took the handle and opened it. The door fell open. Inside the back of the van, there was little that could be seen in the dark. But when lightning flashed again, Tom recoiled. Two men, viciously torn to shreds, lay on the floor. A large dented cage, bashed apart from the inside, lay jammed in the corner beside a red chest labeled with a biohazard sticker. The divider intended to separate the van's passengers from their cargo had been torn asunder. Blood soaked the seats and the mangled steering wheel bore the scars from having been on the receiving end of a set of thick claws. Suddenly it occurred to Tom that the inhuman intruder had driven the van here. But how? And why? And what was causing the movement? There was nothing that... The van shook again. When the lightning flashed again, Tom saw that the red chest was rocking back and forth as if something was shaking it from the inside. He had seen enough. It's nothing, Janie. Tom lied. We need to go. He turned to grab his sister, only to see her mouth covered by a long black paw and unnaturally long, nimble fingers, each of them tipped with razor-sharp claws. The cat grabbed Tom as well and held them both tightly. 
Tom noticed a strange, musky smell as its fur-covered hand pressed against his nose. The box shook again, and with the back door now open, the final violent twitch sent it tumbling out of the vehicle and onto the concrete, where the latch broke against the ground. Tom tried to run, but the cat held him tight. He looked up at it, and it looked back at him. It had that grin again, and the pork pie hat back in place. In this box are two things I will show to you now. You will like these two things. The lid flew open, and for a moment, nothing happened. Then, two hands gripped the top of the box and pulled something large and ungainly out of the box and onto the ground. It looked like it had been a person at one time. Or really, two people. But the heads, both now growing from a single lump of meat, were twisted bent and rubbery, with sallow, drooping features. It had no legs, but with its hands attached to long, impossibly thin arms, it reached across the ground and slowly dragged itself towards the children. Tom and Janet squirmed, but the cat did not let it go. These things will not bite you. They want to have fun. As the mass on the ground crawled closer, It seemed to be ripping its body open on the concrete, leaving a bloody trail behind. As it pulled itself into a sitting position, however, the wound on its belly pulsed and the skin began to close up. The things on the sidewalk wailed in unison, then reached for Tom, putrefied skin dripping from their fingertips. Although it nearly made him gag to do it, Tom bit down hard on the cat's hand. The creature clutched its hand and howled, shaking with rage, and released its grip on both of them. Meanwhile, the crawling, two-headed abomination's gooey finger touched Tom's shirt, but nothing else as they sprinted back and away. From behind them, they heard a voice calling. Lance, limping, wheezing, and covered head to toe in cuts, waved to them from the front door. Tom and Janet ran to him, and he held up a set of keys. My car, we can get out of here before they can do any more. Lance was interrupted by an animalistic shriek. Turning, Tom saw the cat staring at them angrily, lifting the blob and preparing to throw it. Lance pulled Tom and Janet behind him into the front hall. Lance stopped the blob from hitting them, but it landed squarely on him. No sooner had he hit the ground, then the monstrous duo reached for him. He screamed and thrashed wildly as their hands enveloped his arms. The cat came closer and peered at Lance, a lunatic expression of malice ever-present on its face. These things are good things. They are tame. Oh, so tame. Tom and Janet watched in horror as something seemed to happen to Lance as the blob squeezed him. They weren't quite sure, but it looked like the ominous mass was joining with him. Janet turned away from the sight while Tom looked on, unable to believe his eyes. As the mound of flesh grew, Lance's car keys disappeared inside it. Where could he and Janet go? They knew they couldn't outrun the cat, and they certainly couldn't go past the front door. What could they do? Mom, she would have to be home at some point. Maybe she wouldn't know exactly what to do, but she would have the car. They just had to hide or fight back until then. The cat snickered and advanced toward them. As it reached for Tom, its hands began to shake 
and for the umpteenth time this evening, it seemed to be fighting itself. It pulled its hands back and smashed them against the wall, and then went past the amorphous entity and into the kitchen. And there it stayed. They could hear something going on in there, but they weren't violent noises. It was unusual. A moment later, the cat returned. It looked sad. Once more, its hat was gone, and its light was blinking. In its hands, it held two objects. In one, a pen. In the other, a box of cereal. It went to the wall, and with its hands still shaking, it wrote on the wallpaper with the pen. Can't fight long programming broken wrong batch cover up. It held the box of cereal to Tom, who took it. A section had been scratched with an underline. Contains partially genetically modified foods. Tom looked up at the cat, still clutching its pen, all of its vitriol seemingly replaced by grief and regret. As he watched it, it raised its shaky hands one final time and messily scrawled, I Abruptly, the blinking on its head ceased and snapped back into a solid pattern. The cat dropped the pen again. It smiled at the two of them. It also took the cereal back. You did not like our game. Oh dear, what a shame. It picked them both up again and slung them onto its shoulders. I will show you another good trick that I know. It was roughly one in the morning when Mom finally came home, just barely missing the van in the middle of the street as she drunkenly swerved into the driveway. She stumbled up to the front door and fumbled with her keys until she realized there was no door to put them into. I... What the hell happened here? Tom! Janet! She stepped across the ravaged threshold and saw a pile of thick, wet goo on the floor. Lance? There was no answer, except for a rattling from the kitchen. Mom stumbled over and around the remnants of broken furniture and cautiously made her way toward the source of the sound. It was dark, and flicking the light switch did nothing. Lance! She shouted. Somebody who lives in this house! Lance! Lance! I don't know what you and the kids are up to, but this isn't funny. You should have called. I didn't get that drunk. She sneered at the cold hot pocket left out on the table and picked up the empty box of Halloween Choco Blast, shaking what little dust remained out of it. (sighs) Nutritious. God damn it, this is my house. Somebody answer me. I demand an explanation. Then a large shape pushed open the pantry door. Mom recoiled as the lanky, seven-foot-tall figure stalked towards her, grinning maniacally. She tried to run, but in the hall behind her, a monstrous, gelatinous form approached. Two of its sagging, misshapen heads wailed as they drew closer. Its third head, smiling brightly, waved a fairly normal hand at her. Hey there. Lance flashed white teeth at her. Guess I don't need to impress you anymore. I found someone new. 
two new people, actually. She turned and saw something at the edge of the table. Two pairs of black fur-covered hands and four small yellow eyes staring back at her. The monstrous feline adjusted his hat. Mom grabbed her hair and screamed, Oh my God. What the hell is going on here? The four little eyes looked at each other and then flashed devilish grins. Well, what would you do if your mother asked you? You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I hope you enjoyed What Would You Do If Your Mother Asked You? as written by T.G. Westman and narrated by Jonathan West, who also starred as Lance, the elderly next-door neighbor, and, of course, the cat in the hat. Thanks also to Felipe Ojeda, who played the role of Tom, and Melissa Medina, who brought Janet and the mother to life. More of author T.G. Westman can be found on our official horror fiction website, creepypastastories.com. If you'd like to hear more of Jonathan, Felipe, and Melissa, check out our YouTube channel. Up next, we've got a second sinister story for you. A brand new exclusive tale debuting here tonight, written just for us by N.M. Brown. And it's performed by none other than Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights 2018 Evil Idol voice acting champion, Jesse Brown. In it we'll be introduced to a man about to begin the blissful journey of marriage, a time that comes with familial advice, solicited or otherwise. As he struggles with his inner demons in preparation of matrimony, something his grandmother once told him suddenly resurfaces, with devastating results. Now, without further ado, I present to you, my grandmother lied to me. I sat at the ornately filled table with an involuntary smirk on my face as I absentmindedly fiddled with a discarded paper wrapper that had once contained my plastic straw. Wasteful, I know. My mind drifted to each member of the table, all family members, close and estranged alike, and friends gathered to celebrate Akira and I's impending nuptials before finally settling on the eldest members in attendance. My fiance was blessed enough to still have both of her grandparents alive and healthy while my family's side of the table sat empty, due to the fact that I had lost both of my grandparents during my teenage years. The thought crossed my mind that most of us wouldn't be here if they hadn't fucked and chuckled, much to Akira's confusion. What's so funny? She whispered. The clinking of stainless steel against glass interrupted before I could answer as people began tapping their forks against the crystal clear cylinders their drinks were held in. I promptly took the hint and leaned in to kiss my bride-to-be. Her plush pink lips met mine tenderly. That's when it happened. I couldn't tell you if it was the chicken tempura, sukiyaki, or the beef tongue ramen, 
but something in my stomach definitely was not agreeing with me. A rumbling gurgle began low in my stomach, and there was only one direction it wanted to go. Out. Despite preserving decorum, a tickle in my throat induced a cough, which was all the help it needed. My cheeks blanched as my asshole screamed in protest against what I'd eaten, smelling like the fetid breath of death itself. Akira's body stiffened, and her eyes popped open in surprise. She didn't seem offended, but this definitely wasn't an ideal situation. I felt other eyes on me from around the table, and felt like I had no choice but to address the brown, shitty elephant in the room. I cleared my throat politely. <clears throat> Excuse me. I commented sheepishly. Some asshole was talking shit behind me. Moving on. I raised my glass in a toast, desperately hoping my false charm would be enough to get me through an embarrassing situation. I had hardly met some of the members of my fiancé's family. I didn't want them going back to their hotel rooms snickering about how their beloved Akira's intended was uncouth and smelled like the inner lining of the devil's anus. I squeezed my sweet girl's hand as I waited to read the response from the room. Luckily, chuckles hummed around the table like a domino effect, and we all moved on with the rehearsal dinner. Later on, we laid in bed cuddling, discussing the events of the day and talking over wedding plans. Your face turned four shades of red before it finally settled on a specific one. She giggled. I know, I blanched. I'm sorry. I'm not used to Japanese food. I loved it, but it's really doing a number on my stomach. She turned on her side provocatively, her brown doe eyes taking on a bedroom glint as she absentmindedly traced a finger over my outer thigh. You needn't be so mortified, Eddie. It's really not a big deal. Also, you don't need to leave every time you have to go to the bathroom when I'm home either. Besides, it's natural. We're about to get married. How long are you going to be able to keep that up? She queried. She was right. We hadn't even been living together for two months yet, and I was already getting tired of taking the extra trips for vanity's sake. My family didn't raise me that way, I countered. My grandmother literally told me that farts are the screams of trapped poop, and to expel them in public or even at home around food would be murderous to decorum. Wait, she interrupted. She actually said that farts were the screams of trapped craps? Akira doubled over with fits of laughter as I wrapped my arms around her dainty torso. Well, you know what I think? She raised an eyebrow impishly. I think your grandma was full of shit. My stomach gurgled audibly in response, feeling like a cold bomb of grease had just been dropped into it. The skin on my arms and legs became invaded with cold goosebumps of discomfort. It felt like two clawed hands had gripped the insides of my lower abdomen, refusing the quickly overwhelming order to expel themselves. I sat up sharply and clutched my stomach while murmuring an excuse. Babe, uh, I, uh, I'm gonna run out and get a soda real quick. Do you want anything? I jumped to my feet and left the room before she could answer, walking as fast as my clenched asshole would allow. A cold, tingly sweat had assaulted my entire body, causing insult to injury with a sudden onset of wretched swamp ass. I shuddered as drops of it made their way down my hair to the back of my neck. It wasn't until a pounding resonated through my temples that I realized I'd been clenching my teeth as well. My shit-strained brain relaxed my jaw as I despairingly searched for the gas station sign. 
My sphincter was clamped shut like a snapped bear trap, but I knew it wouldn't hold for long. Impending rumbles resonated through my soured gut. I knew that just one fart would bring so much relief, but at the same time, I didn't dare. If I was going to walk through the front door with my lower half covered in the devil's excrement, I may as well have just taken the lower hit on the rank of shame and shit at home. I pulled in the closest parking spot to the entrance of the store a little faster than I'd meant to, but dirty looks from the clerk sweeping the parking lot was the least of my worries as my stomach threatened to purge itself down my legs and into the insoles of my shoes. There was no line for the restroom. Thank God. So I ran into the nearest stall. I wrestled with my belt with one hand as my fingers fumbled with the other to lock the door's rusted slide latch. Unfortunately for my pride and the attendants working this shift, the levee broke before skin met porcelain, splattering the back wall in excrema. It steamed as it hit the cool tiles of the bathroom wall and drippled down helplessly. Oh my fuck. I groaned gutturally as my body hit the crescendo of its escape from my tortured stomach. It burned the outer lining of my anal flesh like acid, and just when I thought the torrent of fecal lava had ended, a sinister Borgamus assaulted my empty stomach like an atom bomb, restarting the hellacious process. Sweat beads the size of 9mm caliber bullets stung my eyes as they ran down my face as I prayed for it all to end, to be over soon. I'll spare you the details of my remaining time in the stall. Just know that I cleaned up after myself the best I could, bought the soda, and vowed to have a serious talk with myself about the long-term effects of vanity on a budding yet understanding marriage on the drive home. Akira was just so goddamn beautiful. She was intelligent and exotic, completely different from a city-bred American guy like me. I questioned why she chose me as her future almost every week. If I could keep her from noticing as well, for as long as possible at least, that would be preferable. My most sacred of places where the sun doesn't shine burned with a white hot heat. It affected my movement and especially the way I had to position my ass on the seat for the short drive back home. I was about a quarter of the way there when I saw a flicker of light moving around in the woods on the other side of the road. There were no cars parked nearby, so if there was someone in there, it was fair to make the assumption that they were wandering around lost and likely needed some help. So I pulled my truck over on the dark, abandoned shoulder, left my headlights on, and got out on foot to offer assistance if needed. The flashes of light had vanished in the quickly setting sky, but the whistle of an unknown tune carried on the wind. Whoever was out here was close by and I probably didn't need to travel too far into the woods in order to find them. Dried leaves crunched pleasantly under my footsteps as I followed the sound. Before long, a figure came into my line of vision. They were male and squatted very low to the ground, bracing himself against nearby trees with both hands. His face was red with concentration, and before long I realized he was doing exactly what I had done not an hour earlier, only I had a bathroom stall to my advantage. The man wasn't nefarious looking in nature. He looked perfectly ordinary, just like you or I. In fact, I would go even so far as to say he was plain looking. 
His hair, beard, and eyes were all the same dull shade of brown. As much as I hate to shame the man, I have to admit that the stench was god-awful and overwhelming. It felt like infinitesimal amounts of fecal matter had been carried on the wind from the man's quivering asshole, their molecules clinging to each of my nose hairs for dear life. It left a terrible taste in my mouth, one that I'd have gratefully spat out if I wasn't so afraid of inhaling more of the stranger's anal invaders. I cleared my throat and watched the man float to his feet, hitching his pants up hastily in surprise. You should never sneak up on a man when he's doing his business, you hear me, boy? He snarled, the veins in his face still throbbing angrily from exertion. I'm sorry, I cringed. Just so you know, it's nothing to feel embarrassed or ashamed of. He lifted a hand to cut me off. Shame? Ain't no shame in my shit game, boy. We as a species have evolved to embrace everything artificial and reject anything that's natural. Breast implants are shown off with pride, while teary-eyed mothers are shamed for breastfeeding their children where they need to eat, shunning them to dark abandoned corners to expose themselves in. People become shut-in, trading physical relationship for those dependent on a screen or speaker. Companies are modifying the plants that feed us and the medications that bring us relief. Do you want to know why we expel our bowels, kid? I could have turned around and ran. A part of me certainly had wanted to. But something in the man's eyes and the conviction of his voice made me stay just a little longer than a sane person would have. I nodded my head dumbly, wanting to appear educated, but at the same time knowing whatever answer I had to give wouldn't be to the man's satisfaction. It expels toxins and rids the waste from our bodies. He raised a finger in the air triumphantly and stamped his left foot three times, the last of which landed in the pile of shit he'd just created. Toxins. That's the word, boy. You ain't half dumb after all. Think of it in the more abstract sense. There's so much negativity associated with the act of bodily cleansing. Everyone has such a stick up their ass about it that no one stops to think about why we do it in the first place. He paused, turning his back to me as if preparing for a large monologue. They seen that man is both capable of good and evil. However, society expects humanity to behave as if we're all of good nature. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sharing is caring. Recite all that shit, kid. So, what about the evil? Where does that part of us go? Does it just die off like an unchosen path of a road? Or does it lay dormant, consuming our bodies and souls until we have no choice but to release it a little at a time? You ever hear of a shit demon, kid? Well... At this point, to me, it was official. This man was a grade A wacko. However, I had stayed this long, and apparently the lessons of politeness and social etiquette instilled in me from childhood was stronger than the stranger danger speech I must have received at some point. Y you mean like in, in Dogma? The movie? I stammered. His eyes scanned my face and body wildly, like a methed out Doc Brown. However, sadly, I was sure that this man wasn't on anything. His body language was too still, and he spoke too well. All assumptions, of course. And you know what they say about those. What? He barked incredulously. No. However, they weren't too far off. 
There ain't no walking and talking lump of shit coming from the days of Christ. But the moral of the story is the same result. We release our evil through our backsides. Alright, this was now beginning to lose entertainment value. My ass still ached viciously and seemed to throb with every heartbeat. I just wanted to go home and sit on a damn bag of frozen peas. However, like the idiot that I am, I urged him to continue. So, the shit demon? Toilet demons, dammit. Ain't you been listening to a word I've said? Little tiny cries of evil just itching to get out. Don't you ever wonder why you always break wind first before unleashing your waste? I was again reminded of what my grandmother had said during my childhood and murmured the words aloud. Farts are the screams of trapped poop? Nah. He waved his hands at me disgustedly, as if I couldn't possibly attain his level of intelligence on the matter. They serve as a warning, kid. A signal for the Kawaya no Kami to stay the hell away. The what? I shrieked, desperately wishing this odd encounter would end. You heard what I said. Back before the days of modern man, a goddess named Izanami exiled to the sky, fatally crashed down here to earth. She plummeted from the heavens in the black of night, glowing like a shooting star as her body burned upon re-entry. Izanami's body died on impact, causing her bowels to release. From that encounter, a demon was born named Kawaya no Kami. It longs to be human and wants to feed on any form of humanity that it can. He was banned to the underworld, only being granted access to the mortal realm through our toilets and sewer systems. Fortunately for him, the act of defecation is when man is most vulnerable and ill-prepared for attack. It's said that the blast of your fart against the acoustics of the toilet, accompanied with the smell of the act, keeps him far enough at bay for you to avoid harm. If you don't, however, you will be prodded with a spear so sharp it will slice through your squirrel sack like a warm knife through cold butter. The women supposedly get the worst of it. The man suddenly swooped down and swiped the area that I'd originally found him squatting over with three fingers before making the sign of the cross on his forehead. A shitter version of Charles Manson came to mind, but all thoughts were cast aside as he started to walk closer, his hand raised high in the moonlight ceremoniously. Undigested bits of orange pulp and slop covered bits of corn glistened in the quickly setting sun as they dripped from between his fingers each drop emitting the fresh stench of Hades as it hit the ground. Bile rose in the back of my throat, forcing me to inhale a breath to swallow it back down, one that I instantly regretted. I began to back away, not daring to take my eyes off of him. That's the craziest goddamn thing I've ever heard in my life. You can get the fuck away from me now. My feet bumbled over roots and stones as I hastily made my way back to my vehicle. My hands shook as I started the car, rattling the keys melodically. He stood, illuminated in red like a demon in the glow of my taillights as I sped away. I'd been around the block a time or two, but this experience was one for the fucking books. I was more than discouraged to find myself injured after the great gas station bowel dump of 2021. A small pocket of skin protruded from the side of my rectum, 
becoming more agonizing by the day. It made it excruciating to go to the bathroom, and upon further investigation I was mortified to discover I'd gotten my first hemorrhoid. I tried various treatments, medications, and home remedies to ease my pain and discomfort. Hell, I even went to the emergency room for it, only for them to tell me to push it back inside of myself, as if that was even possible without blinding pain. It began to affect everything. I was always a sleep farter, and each involuntary release of gas caused enough pain to wake me from a sound sleep each and every night. I began to eat less, hoping that if I ate less, I would have to shit less. Before long, I just started to refuse the urge altogether. And you could forget it as far as any intimacy was concerned. Thank God that Akira had convinced me that we should be celibate the month before our wedding in order to make our wedding night more impactful. So that wasn't much of an issue. It had been five days since I had last had a successful sit down on the toilet. Five days of gut knots, head sweats, and anal twinges. When I tried to go, nothing happened. I pushed until my ass bled with no result. And what was more, I was becoming consumed with sheer and utter panic in each waking moment of my day. What if I wouldn't ever be able to poop again? What if I strained too hard and popped a vein, causing me to bleed out on the toilet and die? What would Akira think if she found me dead, covered in shit on our bathroom floor? Each question branched into a myriad of others, weighing on my soul heavily. My next doctor appointment was in eight days. Laxatives had done nothing, and I couldn't bring myself to go to the emergency room again for this. This next part is going to be tough, but it's necessary. I need to tell you everything so that you understand the severity of things, so you don't blow it off like I had done. Like a lot of households since the start of the non-literal shitstorm that was called 2020, I was lucky enough to have a surplus of rubber gloves on hand. My mouth tasted like a cherry-malted nightmare from the Dokolox I'd just chugged as I propped my feet on phone books I'd laying on the floor in preparation for what I had to do. Vanity be damned. She wanted me to shit at home, and believe me, at the time it was one of the things I wanted most in the world. Bracing myself partially against the wall next to me, I leaned to the side, reached up inside, and tried to... uh dislodge some of the obstruction. I coaxed two fingers around the lump of shit I felt that had been stuck at the point of exit for the past five days and pushed with dear might. Nothing. Not so much as a popcorn fart. Grimacing and beyond mortified, I reached in a little further and grabbed a chunk off the end. I threw it into the toilet after a vague inspection. Everyone does it. The moment I went to pull my hand up, a searing pain radiated through it. The bowl began to fill with a deep crimson as I brought my hand back to my line of vision. A single deep gouge was cut into my hand between my second and third metacarpal. A new stabbing pain spread through my left buttock and hip as more blood pooled into the toilet. The last thing I remember before waking up in a pile of blood and my own shit was peering behind me into the toilet and seeing a small, razor-sharp spear disappearing into the cylindrical opening at the bottom of the bowl 
before dropping to my knees from the worst pain I'd ever experienced in all of my lifetime. I now understand every single word of what the man said, also why he preferred to do his business in the woods. What he didn't mention, though, was the deep rumble of echoing laughter throughout the toilet just before the second jab. I hear it when I'm awake, and also in my dreams as well as my nightmares. I'm terrified of my bathroom now. In fact, I've moved out of the master bedroom and into the guest room with Akira. She doesn't understand why. But as long as we're safe, she doesn't need to. I hope you enjoyed My Grandmother Lied to Me, as written by N.M. Brown and voiced by Jesse Brown. As a reminder, you can hear more of Jesse Brown on our official YouTube channel. In particular, be sure to check out his 2018 Evil Idol entries, where he blew away the competition and emerged victorious as our third annual contest grand champion. And if you dig N.M. Brown's work, Simply search for her on Amazon, where you'll find her many books for print, including her fantastic short story collection, Origins of Delusion. Or visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash brown, spelled B-R-O-W-N, and you'll be redirected to her author page on Amazon, where by clicking through via that link, a small portion of your purchase goes to us here at Chillin' Tales, where we're proud Amazon affiliates to help make this show possible. In Origins of Delusion, the author's debut horror anthology, you'll be reminded that the world looks different through every pair of eyes. Travel through the vestibule of the brain of the terrified and obsessed, and join best-selling author N.M. Brown as you stroll through the doors of the human mind, as her fears become our nightmares. In this collection of creepy tales, you'll find curses, horrific accidents, unwanted predictions, horrors of the heart, and so much more. So don't delay. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash brown and pick up your copy of Origins of Delusion today and let NM know that Drew Blood and Chillin' Tales for Dark Night sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of tonight's talented authors and of indie horror. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go... I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight's episode and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillinTalesForDarkNights.com to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. Hell of a deal. And tell them old Drew Blood sent you. Why the hell not? I don't think it'd hurt. I'm your host, Drew Blood, and it's been a real pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. Thanks for joining us. 
You've been listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, a production of Chilling Entertainment and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted by yours truly, Steve Taylor. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Logo by Craig Groshek. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? We take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at chillingtalesfordarknights.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to us. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. We'll be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.